Blog Talk Radio. here on Monday at 8 o'clock after what might be the greatest weekend of NFL. Wild, man. Wild. Wild. <laughs> How's it going, Sam? Oh, it's all right, man. Just uh, hanging in, hanging in, uh, you know, uh, doing the same thing. But, you know, we've been getting a lot of snow out here lately. So, got like four inches of snow right now. Yeah. Okay. And so, it just keeps coming on right now. So, you know, besides weather, we're good. Let's get into the show. So, you know, before we kind of go into our subjects, I got to say uh, a little uh, tale to tell. Um, my oldest son, uh, Arjun, uh, I guess got picked on a little bit at school today. Um, what he got picked on was uh, apparently in his group of friends that all pay attention to football, he didn't. Arjun doesn't know who Teddy Bridgewater is, and why should he? Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, whatever. He's an okay quarterback who's a fringe starter in the NFL. Uh, but they got ridiculed for not knowing who Teddy Bridgewater is. Um, so I'm trying to teach him some knowledge and maybe get some of these kids back by naming other obscure players that they probably don't know, you know, like guys like Braxton Berrios or Ian Book. But, uh, you know, my wife tells me, don't tell him that stuff, you know. just um, you know, she tells him, you know, Arjun, just be, uh, just act like you don't care and just say, you know, uh, what's the big deal if I don't know her? I forget the retort she said, and I said, that is the worst advice possible. I was like, my sisters used to give me advice on how to deal with bullies, and it was always terrible advice. It was always like, oh, just tell them, get off my back. And then I would say that, and then they would retort with something equally terrible, like, oh, I'm not on your back stupid and I'm like great that that worked out real well and so I was like man you know you just gotta you know what I asked him what I told him to say which I thought was great advice is if they ask you a player that you don't know who they are just ask simply have they been did they go to the pro bowl this year and if the answer if the other kids say no then be like then he's not worth knowing simple easy I mean it's a good Good way. Just make sure he memorizes the Pro Bowl roster. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was the other thing, and he was mispronouncing Pro Bowl, so that quickly backfired. So right. anyway, that uh, may may or may not work, you know, to his benefit. But uh, you know, when it comes to bullies and and things of that nature, and especially when it comes to like stats and like you know, getting into arguments about who did what and for stats, like I I I kind of like my entire life I was like a, a numbers nerd, so. Yeah. I used to cut out articles and, like, put them into, like, you know, uh, books. And, and, you know, I would write them down, actually, so I'd remember what the stats were. But, I mean, regardless, it's not like you have to know everything. The thing is, um, the bullying shouldn't be around, you know, whether it's there or not. You know, if he doesn't know a player, let them teach him about the player, right? Yeah. That should be the way be like, oh, you don't know who Teddy Bridges? Oh, so, you know, he, he really messed up his knee when he was playing for Minnesota. He came out of Louisville, whatever. Like, you know, just tell him some stuff about Teddy Bridge, and he'll be happy to learn it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, these kids probably don't know that much about Teddy Bridge. I, I, I don't right. even know what they're doing. They're just 
Uh, I have a picture with Teddy Bridgewater, actually. He was on the Jets. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I was at a wedding uh, in in, uh, in New Jersey, and the hotel we were staying at was actually where a bunch of Jets players were staying at. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, that was my little uh, personal antidote to start the show, was that uh, me and the wife arguing over what best to say. Um, I was like, yeah, that that method is not going to work. But we'll try to teach him some stats. But he's got to memorize the stats first. So, <laughs> and if he mispronounces the name, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah. So. I mean, see, the problem is when you memorize stats, if you're, like, literally, like, a hair offline, it's like, oh, you didn't even pronounce his last name right. How do you expect me to believe you? Right, exactly. Um, all right, so this past weekend, um, you know, it's it's been a – you know, it's, I don't want to make it sound like hyperbole, but it does seem like this might have been the best weekend of NFL playoff football that we've seen in some time. Uh, I have I'm, to agree. I'm having a hard time remembering a weekend in playoff NFL football where. So I think I think the seven and nine uh, Seahawks like winning their first game, the divisional round, like the the sorry their wild card round rather. Um, yeah. That year was pretty big. You know that's when the whole Legion of Boom, Twelfth Man, all the other all the other monikers kind of sort of started with that. That was a good playoff run. You know I think, you know uh, as far as as exciting as what we saw. Oh no, not nearly as exciting. I'm just I'm just saying like it, when it when we go back I I go back in memory like I don't I that is something that pops up immediately, you know. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch running for a touchdown. Um it just I remember it because, you know, certain things I remember. I remember like, you know, I remember Peyton Manning winning and losing, you know. That was kind of good. The loss was terrible. It was like one-sided, but the win was was interesting as far as the route that they took, you know, with Brock Osweiler the whole year. It was crazy. It was a good, it was a, I think it was a good end to an NFL season. But, you know, again, going back to this, this weekend, it was like every game was on the verge of OT <laughs> or went into OT, you know. If, if I'm ranking the game, though, I obviously Bill's Chiefs was number one. That game was not the number one game. If, if I'm going two, it's probably – I have to be honest with you. It's probably the the Rams and the Buccaneers, even though that game for the most part of the game – It was kind of lopsided. I'm not lopsided, but, like, they didn't really start making a push until the third, fourth quarter, right? Exactly, yeah. It was, it was kind of a blowout. Even in the fourth quarter, the Buccaneers were still down two scores. And then – I think the Packers Niners game was has to be close too because that came out of nowhere as well. That did, and then you have the Bengals Titans, which I mean, man, the Bengals defense really put on a show there. But see, again, you know, all these last-minute field goal type of you know games, right? Yeah. They actually make the game more exciting. So you're watching the entire 60 minutes of the games with the ads, with everything else, and the timeouts, and then you know whatever else. You're watching the full 60, 70 minutes of the game. And you're paying attention literally to every second because it, it, at any point it can go any way. And the and the Bills and the Chiefs game, Chiefs game that was like the 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 you know the cherry on top. It literally could have gone in any direction possible. It was. So I'm, I'm watching the game with my wife, and we're th- we're rooting. It was hard, but as Bengals fans, I think we are rooting more for Kansas City to win because I think the the theory was. 
I'd rather play in Kansas City in January than in Buffalo in January. And Buffalo's defense is a lot better than Kansas City's. I think Buffalo's defense would have given Cincinnati more problems than Kansas City's would because we saw what Cincinnati did to Kansas City. So I, I like that. I like that matchup, too. And the reason why is because the Bills have the ability to shut you down over the defense, with a good defense, and then score all a buttload of points with their offense, which generates, like, tons and tons of offense. So, I mean, right. I think I think that matchup with the, the Chiefs actually works out to the Bengals' favors because, you know, their defense is actually better than the, than the Chiefs' defense, number one. Number two, but, like, you have to look at it, though. You're still going up against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick so, Mahomes. you know, it, it's, it's kind of no. You know, you could have a good defense, but it's Patrick Mahomes. So, but the thing is, you have the firepower to stay up with them as they score buttloads of points. Yeah. And, and the Bills just, you know, heartbreaker, dude, heartbreaker for Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, it, it sucks because um, a part of me wanted to see the Bills kind of move on forward, right? Um, and, and because, like, I think that they deserve a shot. They've done well. It's not it, – it, this didn't happen overnight. Josh Allen has been playing well now for, like, two – almost three years running, you know? Um, and the defense has gotten better. They added some people over the years, added some corners. And they all of a sudden this year they found their run game for some reason, right? They were able to find some sort of a run game with Singletary and Moss Although and with Allen rushing, rushing as well. You know, they were able to find it. Uh, it's a heartbreaker for them, though. They have a good team. They're going to contend for years to come, I think, now, you know. Well, it's, it's, but speaking of the run game, I don't really – I might I might be mistaken. I'm having our statistician look it up right now, but I don't think the run game – the run game was non-existent yesterday. Oh, it was completely non-existent, but see, the thing is – what brought them to the playoffs was a, a competent run game to end yeah. their season. So they ended the season with Devin Singletary going over 100 yards on three occasions, I believe, having yeah. multi-touchdown games, right? Gabriel Davis is an absolute knockout of a receiver now. He's a number two in my yeah. eyes, you know, for a solidified number two, you know. So all of a sudden you have pieces. You have Dawson Knox. You know, you have – you still have your number one with Von Diggs, right? He can still – if by chance he's not double covered by safety or he's not covered by another linebacker that's shadowing him that's on like a slant or something like that, he'll still beat the corner, you know, good, you know, decent corners. He'll beat them. He's good enough to do that. But uh, damn, you know, that they have almost everything together, but I don't know. I, I can't even tell you what they're missing on their team. They're that's missing the a running back because Devin Singletary yesterday had. Yes. Yes. But like, you know, the thing is like, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 if they go out and get a prize, if they get, if they go, go get a, a good running back. Let's say a, a healthy running back, a producing, efficient running back. I don't even know who's going to be a free agent this year. I got to kind of, look, you know, double check the charts. No, but they go get one in free agency. You can draft. You can one. draft one. Yeah, you could. You're right. You could draft one. You can draft one. But here's the thing: Buffalo, if Buffalo runs the clock out. I mean, granted, 13 seconds, they did everything they could to not leave any time up. I'm not going to fault them for that. But the first time they went up, they took the go-ahead lead, and they left, I believe, Kansas City like a minute 30 to go. I I mean, if you – That's too much time. That's too much time. That's too much time. That can eat the clock up while gaining yardage. And Josh Allen, at some point, cannot be your leading rusher. See, you have to re- – yeah, if you have to rely on an arm 
to end out games, you're going to end up in a shootout. But if you can rely on your run game to end out games, you might just, you know, ice it. I think for Cincinnati, looking at this game, you have Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah, no, he see, that's, that's be- what's beautiful about Cincinnati is that when it comes down to the end of the game, he can churn out the yardage, and he'll figure out a way. And you have, a, you have an all-pro, you know, running back, you know, handling business. Whereas, I mean, the, the Bills don't have anybody that's all-pro <laughs> as far as running back go, you know? They don't have anybody. And I think Cincinnati's best chance to beat Kansas City is to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hand. And I know it's easier said than done. I know it's easy to say, sit here as an armchair quarterback and say, hey, grind the clock out, keep the ball away from Mahomes. But that is what they're going to have to do. And I think too many times against Tennessee, I saw when Tennessee's pass rush was being really aggressive, I saw them draw up too many deep plays. Do a couple three-step dropbacks, quick passes, screens, outs, uh, you know, throw throw a little bubble screen to Jamar Chase or or throw a little screen to Joe Mixon. Just you could even get creative and do like you know, like uh, you can do sweeps with Jamar Chase. Yeah. You know, exactly. you can try you can try a couple of different things. I agree with that. I think that that's where the um the 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 fact that Zach Taylor is still uh, somewhat of a novice when it comes to being an NFL head coach in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, so. Hopefully he'll get creative. He'll do some of those things. But you know, every every defense that goes up against Patrick Mahomes, it's a tall, tough task to go up against, right? You have you have all of a sudden you have weapons that he's just producing. Like Pringle, for some reason now is a full time weapon for him. I'm sorry, Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon, out of no again, late I mean, he didn't even play during the season. He didn't play the like they were down to like two running backs. But yeah. you know, McKinnon, Pringle, he has guys that are just stepping up and he's like, just be open and I got this. It's yeah. a hard it's a it's a tough it's a tough offense to go up against for any defense, right? But I like the Bengals chances because I think they can stay step by step. Like they they can, you know, basically Stay within striking distance with their offense that they have on the field. Yeah. And that's what you kind of want. You want to be able to give your team the best chance that you can and at the right opportune moment. Well, it should be a heck of an AFC title game. Bengals playing in their first AFC championship game since 1988. Um, On the NFC side, we have two divisional rivals playing for the third time. You have the 49ers and Rams. I think, I believe... I believe the 49ers are 2-0 and against the Rams this year. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and um, although this is, I mean, this is playoff time, I, I don't yeah, know. So one of, the, one, of the, one of the losses, they didn't have OBJ. So okay. but I will say that because he had six touchdowns to end the year, you know. Um, he had a touchdown in the first round. Um, so I have to say that, that, that – um, Having Odell Beckham Jr. as your secondary option is absolutely phenomenal, because Cooper Cup is gonna is gonna demand you know everyone's attention on offense. That leaves OBJ with a lot of one on one situations that he can take advantage of. So I, I like the Rams' chances, but those pesky Niners, man, I, I really have no words for it. Besides, I I was trashing Kyle Shanahan like mid season. Like, what are you doing? 
You've had a Band-Aid roster for like three years straight now. What are you doing? You're not making it better, really, and you're not making it worse technically either. You're keeping yourself middle of the pack, and sometimes you're, you're, you're out kicking your coverage. You know, I don't know what to tell you. But it's, that's the GM's fault. That's John Lynch's fault for not making the roster. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I agree with that point. But, but Shanahan's looked like a complete turd of a coach at certain times, you know. And, and I'm like, you can't do this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of, you know, uh, you know, look because you don't know which one will show up. Because the, the Niners are such, such, such a makeshift offense that, like, I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what to say. You know, every defense that they go up against, it's going to be tough because they have like these Swiss Army knives all over the place. It's not one player. It's it's all of them. Jeff Wilson, Hasty, you know, Garoppolo. They'll throw in Lance on them like a scat back option. It's nuts. They'll do some crazy stuff, and that's the thing. You know, I believe at some point coaching will, you know, uh, you know, prevail. Like. You know, better coaching will prevail, but McVeigh's not the guy to do it. You know. Well, I think McVeigh and Shanahan are pretty equal as far as coaching and equals. But you know, someone who doesn't get a lot. But McVeigh's had such a better roster to work with. Had a lot better roster, but I'll tell you. So that's why I give Shanahan the the the, the nod over McVeigh. Yeah. Jimmy G doesn't get the love that he. Zero love, bro. The guy gets zero love. He's five and one in the playoffs when he's been healthy. When he's been healthy for the majority of the season, this is now the second year where he's he hasn't missed more than let's say three games. Okay, where the 49ers are once again in the NFC title game. The, I mean, when he's healthy, this team is pretty good. Now, is Jimmy Garoppolo is he is he Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, guys like that? No, he's not. But I also think I feel like he's a lot better than, like, what he gets compared to, which is, like, kind of like Kirk Cousins-ish uh, kind of manager quarterback. Uh, the guy wins in the playoffs. Uh, he just, you know, there's not a lot, lot of love for him. And the 49ers went ahead and drafted Trey Lance. And I feel like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to get another shot somewhere else. And I feel like he's going to be fairly successful uh, if he goes to another team this off season. Uh, you know, I don't know. It may, if you put Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, in, in Minnesota, is he getting the Vikings further than Kirk Cousins did? What if, what if Jimmy G goes, uh, goes to Pittsburgh? I, I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is from, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Is he from Pennsylvania? Do you know? I got no clue, man. Uh, he is actually from Illinois. So, no, our producer would have known that, uh, but we don't have one because we're not paying for one. Anyways, I feel like – He's not going to go to the Bears. If Jimmy Garoppolo goes to Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they're probably uh, they, they're probably contending for the division. I, I just think this guy gets a lot of hate, uh, but he's done a pretty darn good job, and he's now beaten Aaron Rodgers twice in the NFC title game. You have to keep in mind, though, that 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 team is stacked. Like when it comes from a defense perspective, they have always, again, uh, you know, performed very well. You know, uh, in the regular season as well as, you know, in the playoffs. So, he's had some help. He has options. He has a couple of weapons. Maybe one, really. I would say Kittle. Kittle now Samuel after the last two years, right? 
Yeah, Debo Samuel. Yeah, and Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk's like on his way up, right, this year. But, you know, when it comes to his running backs, he's had a, a ring around the rosy. Mostert, Hasty, uh, uh, Wilson. He's had yeah. a ton of them. Well, you know who that reminds me of? His dad in Denver after Joe yeah. Davis retired, and there was Mike Anderson and Alandis Gary and everybody. Everybody had a chance. <laughs> yeah, everybody had a chance, and uh, he returned thousand-yard rushes out of some no-name undrafted free agent. Yep, At, like there would be some really obscure names just coming out of Denver out of, after yeah. those years. Just Ruben oh yeah, this guy. By the way, he also ran for eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns. We don't even know who he is. Exactly. All right, so. Let me ask you, man, because I'm looking at the quarterback scenario. I'm looking at the quarterbacks for the next 10 years. You know, not really counting Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're probably going to be retired in the next two two to three years, okay? Um, I'm looking at the AFC, and the AFC is completely loaded with the future quarterbacks. And I'm looking over at the NFC, and I'm thinking, who in the NFC would even crack the top five quarterbacks in the AFC 10 years from now. I realize we got drafts coming up, but you look at yeah, – Dak doesn't even make that list. That's what Dak I'm trying to – like, have, uh, take, take Brady and take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, and what, what NFC quarterback – The only one that's competent is Dak Prescott, really. Well, yeah. what, what about Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford? Are we I'm talking? sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking just, you know, yeah, you're right. So Stafford, Wilson, yep. But even those guys, Stafford and Wilson, are in the second act of their career, right? They're in the second act. So if we're talking young quarterbacks, to your point, Dak Prescott is probably – Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts are the only guys that really – But no, but they don't have a Herbert, a Burrow. They don't have, um, you know, Deshaun Watt. Uh-oh. I mean, who knows who Deshaun Watson might play for, but right, but um, Lamar Jackson. And you know what, Lamar? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. And and for that matter, I'll even say because you have to give to a full year. And what you about know? Trevor Lawrence too? Yeah, you got to give these guys a little bit more time, right? And and again, on the tail end of that list, Mr. Zach Wilson did not have a turnover the last six games of the season, so we're trending up on Mr. Wilson. With a new coaching staff, that's probably going to add some more weapons. We beat the Bengals, and we beat, you know, the Titans, you know, this year. Titans, and I think there was another big win that they had. Yeah, we had one more. Yeah. You know, looking at the AFC, I'm going to dominate the Super Bowl for the next 10 years. I just don't see a team out of the NFC really – getting over that hump with the list of quarterbacks. But let me ask you now, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, a version of what Brady Roethlisberger Manning was from about 2003 to 2003. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Some accomplished already because Mahomes has a ring, right? Um, you know, some accomplished already. Like the way the Roethlisberger came in and he won a ring in his early years, right? In his second year. Yeah. Right. Uh, but and then Manning, even Manning, you know, when he came in, within a, a few short years, he also had a ring. No, he didn't. Yeah, he won in 2007. Yeah, that was almost 10 years after he came in the league. He didn't come in 97, bro. He came in in 98, Peyton Manning did. No, not. I'm not talking about Manning. I'm talking about Eli Manning. Oh, I'm talking about Peyton Manning. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah. So Roethlisberger and Brady. Yeah, no. So yeah, Peyton got didn't didn't get a shot at the big dance until a lot later. But yeah, Roethlisberger, you know for sure. Uh, you know he 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 fits that same mold as like a Mahomes, you know, type of deal, where you can almost look at, you know, another ring possibility, multiple rings, but like ten years of Mahomes is definitely possible. I feel like if we're ranking those guys, I feel like Mahomes is either going to be the Brady or the Manning. Possibly, you know, depends on how much he wins, uh, how many Super Bowls he wins. And I feel like one of these guys is going to fall into, you know, one of these guys is going to win more Super Bowls than the other. One of these guys is going to have a handful like Ben Roethlisberger does. And one of these guys is also going to have another handful like Peyton Manning. But Roethlisberger, in his very first Super Bowl, he didn't do much to help the Steelers. He was nine of. That he was loaded with like future Hall of Famers and things like that. You know? That defense is what carried them, and then also that right. run game with Willie Parker and Bettis. But Roethlisberger was nine of twenty-one for one hundred and twenty-three yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. So Roethlisberger yeah. didn't really win that Super no, Bowl. No, he didn't. His team won the Super Bowl. He didn't really do much there. But I do feel that like looking at Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow right now. And then you still got Herbert there on the cusp. You still got Lamar. Jackson. See, that's why I, that's why I feel like uh, Tom Brady left the AFC. He was just like, "Fuck this! These guys are just too good. Let me just come out of the NFC." And yeah. you know what? These guys are way weaker. You got Justin Fields. You got Jalen Hurts. You got Tyler Heinke. You know, you got Lawrence. You got not Lawrence. You have uh, you know, just uh, besides Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Jimmy G is a very uh, Drew Brees is gone. Drew Brees is gone, but I'm saying you have you have Jimmy G, who's on who's like a very Alex Smith game manager yeah. that can possibly light it up type of deal. You know, you have a well constructed team, Rogers, and then really that's it. Russell Rogers now Stafford, but had you take if you take away Stafford from the Rams, who are they? Yeah, exactly. They're Jared Goff led the Rams are nobody. Yeah, exactly. They're 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 a playoff team that's probably getting bounced in the wild card round or divisional round, more than likely. Yep, uh, with Jared Goff leading the team, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, um, before we go to our next segments, uh, I know we've uh, covered about thirty minutes roughly here. I want to play for you two bad, bad or two controversial takes. One. Is Stephen A. Smith a couple of years ago when Bur- when Burrow was coming out of LSU and about to be drafted by the Bengals? Here's what he had to say about that. Why I disagree is because what? of Mike Brown. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are an embarrassment. Uh, they're just a horrible, horrible franchise. Uh, they're notoriously cheap. We all know this. Um, and I understand that Zach Taylor didn't have a good season, only won two games, two and 14. They've had four consecutive losing seasons after having five consecutive winning seasons under Marvin Lewis. I want to make sure no one confuses my position. I have never, nor will I ever, apologize for my position about Marvin Lewis. He deserved to be fired as head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals because I believe if you've been on the same job for 16 years and you've never won one single playoff game, it is time for a change. That does not mean I believe that Marvin Lewis shouldn't be a head coach in the National Football League. I think he would have been a really good coach for the Cleveland Browns. I just think that in the same location 
At some point in time, you got to try something new, if indeed you are trying to compete. The reason why Marvin Lewis lasted 16 years is because Mike Brown wasn't trying to compete. Mike Brown was sitting up there and underpaying folks all the time. It is not a quality franchise, and I think you can serve to sully and stain and potentially ruin a guy like you know like, like I'm with you I'm with you on that. that that's that's all I'm saying so when I'm when I'm looking when I'm looking at Joe Burrow all I'm trying to say to you is this football is a really really t- it's a real team sport you need a multitude of levels all working in concert with one another that's not going to happen in Cincinnati if we truly truly care about this Ohio native this kid Joe Burrow make sure he goes anywhere but to Cincinnati. Well, what I'm talking That's about, my you, if you're talking about winning, you know, being the number one seed in the AFC, winning a Super Bowl, I don't mean that, especially not as a rookie. But what I do mean is Andy Dalton was basically a 500-ish quarterback there, league average kind of guy, when the perception was there was some upside. I think Burrow is going to be better than Andy Dalton. So we've already seen, even given the circumstances, Stephen A., that you're describing, Cincinnati can have a level of relevance. In fact, a couple of years ago, a couple times early in the season, it looked like was Cincinnati the best or one of the best teams in the NFL. They got they were hot a couple times early in the season. And if you could do that with Andy Dalton, I think you could do better with Joe Burrow, who, by the way, joins Jameis Winston and Cam Newton as Heisman Trophy winners who won the national championship same season and had maybe the best season ever as a college quarterback. Well, see, you look at it that way. Here's the way that I look at it. Even though you got there because Marvin Lewis and those guys had an idea about talent, the reality is that make sure you understand that plenty of that talent was underpaid. It's not a first-class organization. Damn it, it ain't second class. We don't look at the Cincinnati Bengals. And think about it. They don't have a football. They don't have a basketball team, right? Mm -hmm. All they got is the Reds and the Bengals. And for college basketball, I mean, you got Cincinnati, but you got to go over to Louisville. You understand what I'm saying? To, To watch their basketball team. You just look at the city of Cincinnati a great fan base. You know, it's cold in Cincinnati, but they still come out to the stadium and try to support this team. And they've been really given nothing to support with Mike Brown there. Now, if you could change Mike Brown, get him up out of there, that would be different. That's obviously not going to happen. All right. So there was just a little bit more there. But he, Stephen A. Smith really badly trashed the Bengals, and I don't really think he really knew what. Listen, man, he needs to stick to basketball. And even in basketball, he needs to stick to, like, his own role and his own lane. The guy knows nothing about nothing, you know? I mean, I know the Bengals are not the best franchise, but there's a lot of other franchises. So, look, exactly. That's what I was going to tell you. You think the Bengals are on the, 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 the shit list for, for bad franchises? Get the hell out of here. Absolutely not. Jets belong on that list. The you Jets know- owner is interested in selling tickets to the game. He doesn't give a fuck about winning. So what I'm trying to say is that a lot of people belong on that same list, but they're Super Bowl winning franchises, you know? How do you explain that, you know? The Giants franchise sucks balls now. It has for a while. How do you explain the two rings and the rings before that, right? Stephen A. Smith is so so out of his his element that, you know, the, the, the problem is, he sees such short-sighted views. Like, yeah. he's talking about Marvin Lewis, about players getting paid. That's secondary. That's not even the conversation. We're not talking about pay or organization. We're well, talking no, about they, we're they, talking they, about caliber of player. But, but the thing, they did play pay, 
paid players. They kept A.J. Green around for a long time. They kept Geno Atkins around for a long time. They hey, listen, man, they paid Andy Dalton. They paid him on, on, on a big first-year, you know, first-time uh, first extension. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where you're even getting that information from. But here's the thing now. The Bengals are in the AFC title game just a year later after drafting Joe Burrow, right? They're in the AFC title game. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I and I told you from, I've, I've been a big proponent of this for a long time. Burrow is that dude. He's special. He's better than Carson Palmer, and he's better than Andy Dalton. He's, he's, he's the guy that can elevate a franchise. But last thing, because uh, we were running out of we man, we probably should have done an hour and a half show today. But uh, I want to I want to play this hot take by Nick Wright on his Nick Wright. By the way, is such a fanboy that his takes make me sick sometimes. But I, I want I want you to hear this clip uh, this morning on First Things First. Nick Wright talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So what yeah. was your Thank reaction you. to the way everything unfolded last night, Nick Wright? <laughs> Oh, good morning, everybody. My dear friends, Chris, Kevin, and Jenna. It is such a glorious Monday morning, and there is nothing more perfect than the best football weekend we have ever seen, because that's what this weekend was, being punctuated by the best football player. We have ever seen See, here we go. winning the day. See, here we go. Oh, is he the most right accomplished? No. Is he, is he is all-time quarterback rankings? Take all those, crumple them up, and throw them in the trash. I don't want to actually crumple this up because I'm afraid it's <laughs> hanging on my wall after the show. Because everybody knows this. There is not a person watching this show, mm. not one, that if your life were on the line and you were asked... Oh. You can have any quarterback, NFL history, for one game, one drive, one throw. Who are you taking? The answer from everyone, from the Casey Wolf, the Chiefs mascot, to Giselle Bungeon, is Patrick Bleeping Mahomes. And I am not here to gloat because Broussard no. has been really? as confident in the Chiefs as me this year. Not you. Wilds. Finally, begrudgingly, came around last week. Jenna, even though you might not know it, she pulls for me. She cares about me. I'm not here to gloat. These are all my friends and family here. However, folks on other shows, folks on other platforms, folks who write their fancy rankings on their algorithms and the websites (laughs) of the world, to all of you, either apologies or resignations, for your yeah. Mahomes takes. Those oh. are the options. <laughs> Yikes. You either have to leave. He goes on to say some more things that I find downright laughable. Basically. Uh, Come on, man. That list of, like, who would you want for the Tana, Brady. Pick your poison, man. There's so many greats. Favre. I mean, shit. He, uh, Mahomes might make the top five, top seven. Ish, maybe, maybe, but there's so many great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that you can't make that take. He's a great quarterback, but he's not that good, man. Well, yeah, I mean, granted, he's been in two Super Bowls so far. You can come call me when he's been to five Super Bowls and maybe won three. You can come call me then. Or, 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 or hold on, how many does Brady have now? 
Brady has seven Super Bowls, and he played in nine. Nine. Okay, come come talk to me then. Yeah. So, but then Nick Wright goes on to say that Mahomes is in that Jordan territory where he stops other great quarterbacks from winning championships. So I'm like, pause, pause. Come on, really? Really? Who has he stopped, really, honestly? He hasn't you know? stopped anybody. Josh Allen. He stopped Josh Allen. He stopped Josh Allen, bro. For now. For now. For now. And Josh Allen he doesn't even have a resume built yet, like a Hall of Fame resume. He doesn't have that yet. Brady stopped quarterbacks from winning championships. Brady, see, th- th- that's what I think. The AFC was literally dominated by Brady for all these years. And how many, how many Super Bowls would Manning, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger have if Tom Brady didn't? Oh my play? God! Oh my God! They'd be swimming in in rings, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I just wanted a couple quick takes. Um, but you know what? It's still pretty amazing that they both have two rings apiece in Brady's era. You know? Who does? Who has two rings apiece? Both Manning oh, yeah. and and Roethlisberger. Correct. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Out of the AFC, coming out of the AFC, they got two rings apiece during Brady's reign over the AFC. Um, all right, so now we are really running out of time. We are down to 20 minutes, man. So we're going to – I really want to get to our segment three. We're going to briefly talk segment two real quick. But I just wanted to say, did you watch any of the UFC 270? I did. I did. I did watch it. What was some of your takes uh, from the cards? See, this is exactly what I was afraid of. I was afraid of – excuse me. I was afraid of, of, of Francis winning. And then all of a sudden you have a Tyson Fury call out. Come, come fight me if you want some real money. That's exactly, I'm telling you, like, word for word, that's what I was afraid was going to happen. And now you have diluted talent in both sports. You have a great boxer that will never fight an MMA match, but regardless, you'll have yeah. a, a great MMA artist that's going to be now boxing, and that's not his thing, you know. You can't, you can't kick in boxing at all. You've got to go... 12 rounds, you know, there's no three, five minute rounds. There's 12 rounds, you know, you think you were, you were worried about, you know, his, his, his cardio, uh, you know, uh, in a heavyweight UFC matchup, he's going to take a year to get his cardio right to go, go, go up against Tyson Fury. Yeah. I mean, that's if he makes it 12 rounds, but you're that's if uh, again, that's if let's say, let's say for a saying, like if he makes it to 12 and it goes decision, I would be surprised because obviously Tyson's still winning it, <clears throat> but but that's like a moral victory for him at that point to go that many rounds. But he doesn't have the cardio, man. He 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 genuinely does. He's too big of a body. He's see the the, the beauty about Tyson Fury is what he weighs in for 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 his heavyweight matchup is what he weighs in the ring, man. He's a smart guy. He likes to keep his weight at a point where he doesn't have to change his power, his speed, his movement, any of that. Yeah. He's a really technical, technical boxer. And, and, and Francis, on the other hand, is that heavyweight knockout punch, you know, on that Deontay Wilder that's going in for that wild. And Wilder made it as long as he did, you know. I don't see Francis making it nearly as close, right? Not at all. No 11th round knockouts happening. No, it's not going to happen. Either you get a knockout in the first two rounds or you're done. And then you got, you know, the rest of the fight card. I saw it. Um, I, you know, I got to be honest with you. I didn't really, I didn't watch the pay-per-view yet. Uh, I was up 
too late Saturday watching NFL football and then uh, up late yesterday watching the games. But, um, I, you know, to me, they're, they're, this this card was lacking a lot of star power. And- I, I, we had this conversation, right? We didn't have any major pulls towards, you know, becoming a UFC fan, you know, a fan of watching UFC, right? The Moreno fight, it went to a decision, and Moreno thinks he won, but, you know, uh, Figueredo is actually the guy that won. So, I mean, it, there's, there's a very blah card, you know. There was nothing exciting that happened really on the card. Speaking of very blah, and I hate to tip off UFC so much, but really this is this this event doesn't really move the needle very much. There's not a lot of lot to talk about on this card, right? There wasn't that all encompassing fight that everybody wants to talk about. But speaking of not moving the needle much, NCAA basketball, man, like I'm looking at this year, and granted, I've not paid a ton of attention to college basketball this year, but I still do. A little bit, but where are the stars? God, they're gone. I was watching UNC get whooped by Wake Forest, like yeah. maybe two hours ago. You know, yeah, it's like, just uh, it's not cool. Like it's not cool to even watch NCAA basketball anymore. I, I thought you would want to watch NCAA basketball because you get an idea or a picture or a little quick little you know focal point of what the, the next star on the next level is going to look like. But Jesus. You know, there's nothing available. There's nothing. There's nothing. And then, by the way, man, you have a number one team where – are they – Auburn's the most anonymous number one team ever. They have to be. Like last they, year they, – You're right. They have to be. Gonzaga and Baylor were number one throughout the whole year, and I knew multiple players off each team because they all – a lot of them got drafted, right? But Auburn – yeah, they're probably going to have the first overall pick this year, Jabari Smith. But others, I mean, honestly, this is also a team that I don't think has played that tough of a schedule. They've beaten two ranked teams all season, and they're the number one team in the country. You, ha- you know what's really strange? Like You have, like, Purdue at number four, like Arizona at number three. It's a very weird – setup for college basketball and it doesn't help that you know mr mr crazy mr dick vatel is not going to be calling games for the rest of the season you know i think a lot of like old school guys like me would love to watch a game called by him right also i like billy packer on cbs i do i do i do too but here's the thing there's still a lot of blue blood names in the top 10 right you got duke michigan state UCLA, Kansas, Arizona, Gonzaga. But honestly, I'm looking at like, hey, who are the best players in college basketball this year? I don't know any of them. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, man. What's that? Your guess is as good as mine. I have no clue about college basketball, man. It wasn't that long ago where I could name all the top players for basketball. It wasn't that long ago, like when Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker were at Kentucky. And then you had, uh, you, you know, you had stars like Austin Rivers uh, over at Duke. And you had guys like, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on some of the names now at North Carolina. But um, Yeah, you had, you had a bunch of just like 
you know, if they, if they weren't if they weren't stars, they were really good role players in the NBA. Yeah. So, you know, and and good enough to carve out their own role, their own name. For the love of God, you know, as, as much as I hate to say it, Psycho T, Tyler Hayes, bro, bro, he carved out a name for himself for a couple of years. Yeah. And everyone remembers him for that because, you know, at UNC, he was great, actually. He was really good. You know, he was a hustler. He was a, it was a hustler that, that played in the paint. He, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't mind banging with the bigger boys. But, you know, he was still able to, to carve out a name for himself. For the love of God, Raymond Felton was able to car- carve out a name for himself, you know. Another UNC Tar Heel, right? Yeah. There's just, you know, we're lacking, I feel like, a lot of the star power that we've had. And maybe it's just a down year. And I think, you know what, uh, you know, can I, can I step back real quick for a second? I yeah. think because the our, our market of NBA stars that are picked, like, sorry, uh, you know, players that are picked to play in the NBA – it's now diluted with international, you know, uh, prospects, right? I yeah. think now it's not about who does the 360 dunk while on an AAU team anymore. Um, it's about who can you fundamentally – he's fundamentally sound, can can score a layup, is an 80% free throw shooter, right? You don't have to ever worry about him, you know, not hitting a free throw. Okay, I want to look at him as a prospect now. The Greg Popoviches of the world are looking at people like that you know, uh, and for that matter, you know, everyone, there's a lot of people that were, like, very skeptical on Luca. I thought he was a, a shoo-in. Yeah. And, you know, you can see it. He's fundamentally sound. The guy, yeah. his IQ is through the, through the roof. His passing is great. But he's fundamentally but, sound. But not only that, a lot of the, not only is it diluted with your European players that come out that take up, you know, usually four or five slots in the lottery, but now you also have guys skipping college altogether and either playing in Europe for a year or they're going down to the G League and playing. Like Jalen, like uh, Jalen Green, Jalen Green, Jalen for uh, what's the guy for the Rockets? Number two overall. Okay, I'm gonna go with Jalen Green there. But uh, oh, you know, I just I feel like there's just not. There's so many different avenues in going to college now that these guys can skip a year, go play overseas, then go to draft, or they can go straight to the G League. And the road was so much harder back in the day. Yeah. You had to play two, three, four years to be considered a first-round draft pick. You had to – if you didn't play the four years or the three years and carve out a name for yourself, you did something amazing overseas, you know, uh, for, for like, you know, the Greek – you know, uh, league or something like that, you know, European league, Spanish league, whatever, you know, you do something great there where then all of a sudden you have eyes on you. It's so much easier now. I'll say that even if, even back in the late nineties, early two thousands, if you stayed two years, but were like a two time all conference player that, 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 yeah. NBA, like Alan, I was for sure. For sure. But yeah, I don't know. There's so many of these guys that are one and done that, that, see, you got players. You see, that's what's crazy. You got players. I'm sorry. When it, again, like I told you, I'm a stats nerd, right? You have players that are freshmen, ending their freshman year, averaging nine points, five board, six boards, like two assists and a block, yeah. and he's a prospect at that point. Yeah. Like why? Why don't you carve out that 18 point points per game or to get into double doubles, right? 
as a board, if you're a forward or a big man, do something where you then polish your game so you're not sitting. Because you know what? The, what, pe- what the kids don't realize is that, yeah, you can make the jump to the NBA, but the, but the, the level of talent is completely different. You're going to get injured playing as a rookie, playing with the big boys. You know, you, you should own your craft a little bit better before because these young athletic guys, you see them. They, they're tearing ACLs. They're hurting something, tweaking this, tweaking that. They can't stay up with the NBA, you know, star uh, stars that are playing. That have continu- They have a tough time keeping up, right? Right. All right. So now – You've got like 11 minutes, man. Yeah, 11 minutes. Going into our last segment is we got the Baseball Hall of Fame vote coming up. Uh, there's a guy going in that looks like he's – and I really don't agree with it. Uh, what are your feelings on David Ortiz? Oh, man. Um, look, uh, he was a championship player, yeah. played on championship teams. Uh Played well in the playoffs. Um, did enough for his team to give them a chance. But played a position that doesn't really – shouldn't even be there. What is he eating, hot dogs while everyone else is playing defense? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know about that. that that's where I kind of say that that DH position that's, that's being allotted, right? Yeah. You really have to outperform – Every, like you have to you have to beat everybody out in order to be considered a phenomenal DH, right? Because you're not doing anything else but but batting, really. You know, you're not doing anything else, really. So you got stealing bases. How many DHs have you seen over the years that have that have the majority of DHs that come through are like sluggers, really? They are. That's all they are. They they're expected to hit thirty plus home runs and get on base and drive runs in, but. My thing about Ortiz is I think he should be a Hall of Famer. I do. I think he has a stats. Ballot. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer to me. He's like a guy that gets in on like the fourth or fifth ballot. You know right. what I mean? Not a first. Do you think he has a stats to bolster his argument? He has 541 home runs. Uh, so he's over 500 home runs. 286 lifetime batting average and 2,472 hits, so almost 2,500 hits. So he hasn't hit, he hasn't crossed the 3,000 yet. But he, has, uh, he hasn't cracked 600. But can I tell you something? Um, the baseline, 500 home runs, the measuring stick for greatness and sluggers, typically. Okay, fine. Let's say 500 is your is your you know your your line that you don't that you say above this is great. Uh, it, it, with him, you know, having all those stats. Being him being a foreign player, do you think that bolsters his position or hurts it? No, because he's Dominican, right? Yeah, but I, I, the thing that I'm actually more surprised about, that I'm more surprised about that hasn't hurt him, is the fact that he was on the list in 2003 of players that tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. But he was and never persecuted for it. Never. But he was always one of those guys that people that people had an eye on that, that there, cause he was on that list. He was on the Mitchell report that, but even though he never, uh, never got into trouble after 2003, he was always a guy that, that, that people had an eye on. And now th- here's what I want to point out to you. 
And like I said, I still believe Ortiz belongs in the Hall of Fame, but this is what I find interesting. He started his major league career in 1997 with the Minnesota Twins. He played in Minnesota from 1997 through 2002. 2002, he hit a career-high 20 home runs. That was in 2002. 2003, he's named on the steroid report. He proceeds to hit 31, 41, 47, and 54 home runs after never hitting more than 20 home runs in Minnesota. And he never changed his position. No, he played first base at Minnesota. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Take that back. Yeah. And then, uh, but he also was mostly a DH in Minnesota, but he did play some first base, okay? But then it comes to Boston, he's strictly just DH, strictly only a DH uh, player. But I'm telling you, someone who's in the league for five seasons at the major league level that never hits more than 20 home runs, that all of, all of a sudden is jumping to 40, 50. Yeah, averaging roughly 32 home runs a season for the rest of their career. And it happens, it just so happens to happen the year that he is on a steroid report. It, it's a little bit too coincidental for me, a little bit. Um, no, I have to so, agree with that. I have to agree. You know, I, I want to know, though, I mean, like I said, I feel that Ortiz is still a Hall of Famer, but to me, being a first ballot Hall of Famer is reserved for guys that are no-brainers. They are the Ken Griffey Juniors, the, uh, you know, the Pedro Martinez's, the Randy Johnson, the Greg Maddox's of the world, right? Guys that are, like, no doubt Hall of Famers. But right. in this day and age, I think, Ichiro, I think, belongs on our list, too. In my opinion, Ichiro, Ichiro, guys, guys like that, right? Yeah. But I still feel like baseball writers need to stop punishing steroid era players or guys that may have taken steroids because they ran an anonymous survey in 2003. Now, that initial report that Ortiz was on, names were not supposed to be leaked off that because it was just baseball trying to get. Uh, some kind of uh, like some kind of like figure in their head of how many players were actually doing steroids. In 2003, in an anonymous survey, 65% of players said they took some kind of performance-enhancing drugs. If the entire, if, if more than half your league is taking some kind of substance to either catch up or perform better, then I can't blame guys for trying to keep up. So I don't feel like bond, I feel like you know let Bonds in, let Clemens in, let these guys in. Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the fucking steroids. He's in a Hall of Fame without Pete Rose, without Barry Bonds, without Roger Clemens. You might as well just blow the whole thing up because it doesn't matter. See, you know my only my only thing is that they kind of predicated it on themselves. If you look at it, baseball being you know, the the country's national pastime, right? They hit, like, record lows before the home run chase of, you know, Maris' home run record that was chased by McGuire and Sosa. They actually, a couple years prior to that, they were hitting lows as far as attendance and and views and everything, right? So this kind of, along with juicing up the players, it also juiced up the ratings. 
100 for the sport. For the sport. 100%. So you can't, again, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that steroids are right or they should be used to get an advantage, but if 65% of the league is using and, it's, and everyone is turning the blind eye to it, don't hold them against it. Right. Don't hold them against it, you know, because they were just a product, a byproduct of the era that they were in. Yeah. Everyone's getting the edge. Why the hell should I not? Uh, yep, I agree. There's two guys on the ballot that I feel should be getting more love than they are. Uh, first guy is Andrew Jones, right? Oh, I love him, man. Great. I used to I used to play with Andrew Jones in, in like home run derby and stuff like that back in the day. He had a hell of a peak in Atlanta, but the, his career was kind of short. A lot of injuries. Really, after after leaving Atlanta, he didn't do a whole lot. But the fact remains is this: he hit 430 home runs and he won 10 Gold Gloves. Yeah, the Gold Gloves is what does it, man. That's what re- that was his bread and butter. That's what got him his spotlight is that he could catch catch someone out, you know, yeah. like from, from like 50 yards away and then fire a rifle down the third base and get the other person out for a double. You know, everybody talks about Ozzie Smith, and Ozzie Smith was a first ballot Hall of Famer. But if you look at him, Ozzie Smith didn't have 3,000 hits. He only hit 28 home runs for his career. He had a career batting average of just 262. He was a 15-time All-Star, and he won 13 gold gloves. Yeah. By that measure, Andrew Jones wasn't an All-Star that many times. He was All-Star five times, but he won 10 gold gloves. He hit 434. He hit 434 home runs, and he had a 254 batting average. Ozzie Smith was 262. Yet Ozzie right. Smith was the first ballot Hall of Famer, and Andrew Jones is sitting here now on, like I think, the fourth ballot, not getting in. He deserves the love. I agree. I agree. Uh, the other guy uh, that I want to talk about is Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland has another another one of my favorites, bro. I like I love I love the fact that his consist he's a very stable player, always there, kind of like Iron Man type ish. You know, he was always available, provided elite defense in my opinion. He did elite defense, and he was a solid hitter. He hit two eighty one for his career. With 315 home runs, he's a seven-time All-Star, and he won eight gold gloves. Yet, nobody talks about Roland. And I'm, I'm saying, like, 200 home runs, 3,000 hits, these are all great things. To I'm at, those are benchmarks that they look for, but, like, there's other things, right? Yeah. That define the player. There's yeah, there, 100%. There's other things. The dude won eight gold gloves and was elected to the All-Star Game seven times. He won a World Series ring. He was Rookie of the Year. I, I mean, if I, you know, I what more do you to, want to accomplish? I, I, I go back to Ozzie Smith. He hit 28 home runs, and he, he, had, he was well short of 3,000 hits, and he had a 262 career average. But because the guy was an ace defender at shortstop, he goes in. So, you know, I, I don't know. Andrew Jones and Scott Rowland, to me, would have a vote to get in before David Ortiz. I, I agree. I definitely agree. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, but we shall see. Um, it, it'll be interesting uh, what happens uh, with the Hall of Fame vote. Uh, they're saying Ortiz is probably going to get in. Uh, they're not sure about Bonds and Clemens. Um, so I, I don't know. I, to me, though, it's it's a bit of a – I don't know. 
it's it's just tough for me. And the, you know, oh, one last person before we end the show. Another guy that's not getting any love, who I feel is comparable to Ozzy Smith, Omar Vizquel. Yes, yes, I agree, agree. Another ace defender. Ace defender, eleven Gold Gloves. He hit nearly three thousand hits. He was at twenty eight seven two thousand eight hundred seventy seven when he retired, and he had a two seventy two batting average. Vizquel is not in, and I I don't know. You know, a lot of people say, well. He's, he'd be in the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame. But I feel like his numbers are very comparable to Ozzy Smith's. Yeah, yeah, very much. So is Nomar in? No, Nomar is not in. I don't. I, he's on the ballot, but I don't think he's gotten any anywhere near votes. Um, I'll tell okay. you that right now. Um, let's see. He was. Oh, he actually fell off the Hall of Fame ballot because he didn't get enough votes. Okay, fair enough. I don't know if he has the stats to back it up, but I've always seen him as, like, another very good, uh, you know, shortstop that was, you know, a very defensive-minded shortstop that got hits, really. He was paid to get get on base. He uh, was a six-time All-Star. He finished his career with a 313 batting average, 229 home runs. But I think the problem with Nomar – is really they consider 1996 to 2004 really his best years, and nothing after that. He really fell off a cliff. Okay. okay. So he really had like a short eight-year career where a lot of these guys we're talking about were consistently good for 10 Got it. Got it. Totally, totally understood. Totally understood. All right, guys, that's all the time we have. We went a little bit over today. Monday Uh, night. Great Monday show. Uh, Go enjoy the rest of Monday Night Raw. Um, We'll talk to you guys on Friday. All right. Take us out, Harold Meat. All right. Let's go.